This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. This is the Coast and Country podcast from the BBC. You can find the terms and conditions on our website at bbc.co.uk forward slash radio 4. Today you can hear Open Country with Helen Mark. I'm looking out across the waters of the Murray Firth in the far northeast of Scotland. Um, this coastline here it stretches from Duncan's Bay Head, it's the very north, all the way round to Fraserburgh in Aberdeenshire. It's about 500 miles of coastline. And if you come here and travel along, you will see lots of tiny little villages down at the seafront that were once thriving, bustling harbours. You go there now and they're, they're quiet. There's just maybe a few boats anchored up, small little fishing boats. And in a way, that hides the real story of these places because they were once bustling with life and people working in the fishing industry and there were men heaving in the fish and women gutting herring on the quayside. It was just, just a hive of activity. But the people from these communities are so passionate about their past. They want to help other people find a way into understanding what it was like. And they have found a key as it were. And it's a very mundane, everyday object to unlock their past lives. It's so cold that the snow on the ground is frozen. It's crackling under my feet. I'm going into the Bucky and District Fishing Heritage Centre and I'm here to meet Kathleen Whittam. This is where we'll find that everyday object piled up on the table here. Jumpers? No. No. (laughs) Got a bit of a withering look there. A gansey. A gansey. A gansey. It's more than just a jumper. It's a way of life. How do you mean? Tradition. This is what the fishermen wore to work and to play. This is what they wore on weekends. They wore it to work. They wore it on a Saturday to go out. And who was it knit by? Knitted by their wives, their sweethearts, girlfriends, mothers, anybody that loved them. A labour of love. It's not a jersey, it's a gansey. And a gansey is part of the way of life up here. And I mean, I'm just looking at them because there's a texture to them, isn't there? The patterns that you have, um, you know, you can feel the relief of the knitting there in cables and chevrons and all sorts of beautiful shapes and and the colours of the wool too. And then you clasp the jumper in your hands and you feel a strength in that, don't you? Isn't it a wonderful garment? It's heritage. It's something that we don't want to lose. Alongside us, we have Moira Morrison, and you're involved, you're a, a coordinator within the Murray Firth Gansey Project. That's right. A simple jumper, you know, is the heart of this project. I don't think they're very simple, and I think they're very unique. Everyone's different because it used to be long ago that every village had a different pattern, so that if the fishermen fell overboard, you could know which village they came from. But through time, I think maybe through marriage, everyone took their own patterns with them, so the patterns got mixed up, or they've been given different names. You can see the diamonds in this one. There's diamonds, and um, there's the tree of life. Oh, and look, well, look at that one there. It's like, you know, the ripples that get left in uh-huh, the sand when the tide net, goes out. Uh-huh, there's a net pattern. Oh, yes, I can um, just see you've that. You've got marriage lines, which are zigzags to let you see the ups and downs of married life. <laughs> uh, there's loads of lo- uh, patterns that folk have come up, and if 
Long ago, if you were knitting patterns and you had a new one, you kind of raised your your chance in the community because you got a new pattern. <laughs> and then everyone tried to follow it. <gasps> Take it after that. And that gusset that you've got, uh, that you've opened that one out. This one is in, in a mustard colour mm-hmm. and it's a polo neck as well. Mm-hmm. But... Do you know, you could imagine when the man has to move, yes, a lot Mm -hmm. with the nets and the ropes, Mm -hmm. he could do that and it won't rasp Mm -hmm. against his skin. Some of them have got buttons on the neck and some of them haven't. But there was a story that somebody caught their nets on the buttons and fell into the harbour. But the word Gansey. Gansey would have come, I think, from Guernsey. So the, the knitting of the Ganseys was always done by the women and it was an essential element of the life of people in I the fishing so. community. I think it was passed from a mother to daughter, and most folk knew how to knit. Why, though, is this jumper and its design, and why why is it at the centre of a, a special project? I think because folk realised that we were going to lose this if we didn't get information about it, if we didn't keep it going. Uh, find out as much as we can because we feel that as time goes on knitting isn't as popular as it used to be and if we don't get this down in paper now we're going to lose the stories we're going to lose the knitting patterns the whole lot we're going to do some reminiscence work with the older people that remember all these so that the stories aren't lost and you've got some knitting needles on the table now they are oh gosh that's a bundle of them they're really heavy in fact, there's one on the go here. Not I don't sure. know. Elsie Murray is with us as well. So, Elsie, you were a knitter, were you? Mm-hmm. But my mother used to knit one in a fortnight. They were marvellous people. No patterns, no papers. Did they never refer to anything? How, how did they get their patterns? That's How did they do it? Where did they see? Some came out of their heads and others copied them off of other dances at the saw. My mother used to look at the back of somebody and she could take that pattern off. What do you think, Elsie, about the idea that this Gansey, you know, is being so talked about and so celebrated now? This jumper that your mother knit for mm-hmm. her family and you knit for yours? Mm-hmm. It was something special. It was something special at the dead. And she carried it for her mother and from my great-granny before that was just handed down. I wonder if the fishermen on the quay, you know, they looked for a wife who was good with a set of needles mm-hmm. as well as anything else. And then she used to, my mother used to do a dressed one for my father when he went to football matches or anywhere. They had a special jersey they put on. You never saw two the same. Yes. And there's lots of other little stories came out. This woman came from Wick and she said that the married woman used to knit in a little anchor on the shoulder to let the single woman know that this man was already spoken for. <laughs> so it's amazing some of the stories that have come out about it. So a Gansey is as much a part of this coastal landscape mm-hmm. as the rocks and the waves and, yes. the, and yes. the gulls. Yes. Uh-huh. And the boats. And the boats. Yeah. We're losing so much. We're losing the fishing. We're losing a lot of our heritage. Folk will never, ever knit to the extent they used to. Never, ever. But at least if we've got the patterns down, there's always going to be somebody interested in it. I think families nowadays are spread the length and breadth of Britain. But if a granny can pass this on to a child, I I think that's what it is. It's just this continual passing it on to families. It's not just about knitting the click of needles. No, no. It's remembering the past 
and keeping it for the future. What has happened is that uh, since I've left Bucky, there has been um, quite a snowstorm and it got worse and worse as I travelled up to the far northeast coast um, of the Murray Firth. And so what I've had to do is leave the car up on the high road here and I'm walking down towards Dunbeath with George Bethuen, who's very kindly come up to the lane end to meet me. I'm walking now down uh, through some uh, fairly deep snow and I can feel it's quite slippery underfoot, so there's obviously ice below that again, George. Yes, uh, we're going down to my house and the croft of Balaclai, the settlement of the graveyard. Uh, Neil Gunn called down here the Hill of Peace. Scottish author, yes, Uh, famous for the Silver Darlings. It is stunningly beautiful because although it's so cold, the storm has settled and the skies have cleared and the sun is shining and we've got that glow from the white landscape. It's beautiful. And And lots of... past the sheep, safely grazing. Yes. (laughs) North Country Cheviot sheep. For a period here from about 1800 up until about 1850, life was very good here. As Neil Young said, there was money in your hand, boy, money in your hand. A hard area, but there was a period of time when it was good up here. But if you take what they faced in terms of the natural elements, because on one side you could be pinned in by the sea, and then on others you're down at the bottom of your strath, pinned in by you know, the harsh winter weather. That's true, uh, to some extent. Um, although I'm not going to say that the harshness was worse here than in many parts of Scotland. If there was ever a day for a Gamsey, George, this is it, is it not? It certainly is, and I should have put my Gamsey on. (laughs) I'll show you my Gamsey when we go down to the house, because there's quite a story to be told about the knitting of that Gamsey. But my wife Nan will tell you all about that later. (laughs) Hello, Nan. Come in. Hi. Just bang your feet on that. Don't bother taking your boots off. Oh, it's lovely. And it's so warm. (laughs) Fire's been on for less than an hour. And Nan, you've got one of the Gamsies here. That is beautiful. When you pick it up, just feel the weight of that as you hold it. Ah, but it's not just the weight of the wool. It's also the weight of the memories and everything else because this is the last Gamsie my own mother knitted and she was knitting Gamsies from when she was young because her mother knitted them as well. But this one... It's just the memories, it's the feel of it, the smell of it. And in my head is the image of these women sitting in the kitchen and the clicking of the needles. And this is George's Gansey? This is George's Gansey. It's the same colour as my grandfather's Gansies were. And this Gansey started war in our house because I asked my mother, will you knit a Gansey for George? But when he got the description of the Gansey she was going to knit. He said, my mother's Gansies were never like that. And then we got on to the colour and they wouldn't give in. Then I broke into the fight. It had been going on for about two years by now. Oh my goodness. It really was. They wouldn't give in. Each wanted it their way. And I got the traditional Scottish knitwear book and said, I'm going to point to a Gansey in the book. I said, you can get to choose the colour, mother, and George will get to choose the pattern. So I just opened the book and said, that one. And this is the pattern. And you remember your 
grandfather mm-hmm. wearing a Gansey. That, that, that colour. Yes, this, this heather, heather blue, heather blue heather grey, blue, yes. Blue. You remember him wearing a Gansey. When you yes. think of him, you see him in a Gansey because the working men in these fishing mm-hmm. ports, these small harbours, yes. it's what they wore all the time. I never saw my grandfather in anything except a Gansey until he went to one of his daughter's weddings. So a suit and a collar and tie he obviously possessed. I didn't even know where in the house it was hung up because I'd never seen it before. The rest of his life he spent in his Gansey. When you see photographs, it, mm. it was quite shaped to the well, person fitted. it was knit for. There it's wasn't fitted. a bagginess or anything about it. It was like sculpted to the form of the fisherman it was to clothe. That is exactly right. It was to fit them Almost like the stretch fibres we have today. It had to be close to the skin, short in the sleeve, tight at the waist and almost above the top of their trousers. It didn't matter, you see, because underneath they had another knitted garment, which was the creamy wool semit or vest. And it, of course, fitted as well. So when you were young and uh, you were living where at that point? In which? Telford Street in Wick. You were there. You saw them being worn by the fishermen day in, day out. Can you still see them there? Yes. I knew the harbour like the back of my hand. I was there as soon as I could walk at my grandfather's heels because he was a cooper. Everywhere my grandfather went, I went. He was an ill man. He had a bad heart condition and he couldn't walk as much as he wanted to without stopping. So he either had a small dog or he had me. So I knew everybody... And I knew every one of their Gansies. It was just the way you lived. It was what you wore. I have a feeling that you really felt very special. Even boys wore Gansies. So when you got your Gansy, and it was your own Gansy, uh, it must have been a very special feeling because then you belonged to the rest of the men. You, you, know, you could go down to the harbour and sit there and you then acquire the skills by osmosis. It's like sucking orange juice up a straw. You just sit there and you listen. You get the stories. Skills are passed on. Don't do it that way, son. This is the quicker way of doing it. And net mending, all of these things were learned. But what symbolised you were part of the group, for us, who no longer have that group to, to watch, is the wearing of the Gansey. It wasn't just a utilitarian thing. You were very proud of the fact that your family made beautiful Gansies and it wouldn't let your family down. And I also don't know where the men buried in their Gansies. My husband's over there and he's nodding. That might account for why, despite asking everybody from the fishing families in Dumbeath, nobody's got a Gansey. There's only one person who has her father's Gansey. That just shows you we never asked them. On top of that, no, you're all right with just your Gansey. Fine. Okay. It'll be fine. Right, well, we're all togged up again, back out into the snow. Uh, <laughs> George has got his Gansey on this time. He's walking out into the snow in it. Okay. And George, you're going to walk us back up to the top of the hill, are you? I am. See, when we're talking about the Gansies, we're talking about the women knitting them. It's, it's the production of these special garments that were, seems to be at the heart of the Gansey project. But actually, the wearers were the males most of the time. 
Yes, uh, of course. But if you look at photographs of the herring gutters, women, they very often were wearing what I would call gansies as well. Because don't forget, they were working out in the open air, all sorts of weather, all year long, ill-paid, with no protection. And looking back through the records, everybody, my grandfather said, boats, they were like wheelbarrows. Everybody had one. We're almost back at the car, George, but if you look over just towards the sea there, um, and you see the greying clouds, and I think that's the edge of another snowstorm coming in. I think it is. Mm -hmm. You'll also be able to see, if you look along the field, the snow does show up to some extent, the old rig pattern Mm -hmm. in our fields. Mm -hmm. The Caithness rigs were very wide, much wider than the rigs in most places of Scotland. And And they were the planting lines, weren't they? They Yes. They built the soil up and planted on them. They built the soil up and Mm -hmm. indeed planted on them, Mm -hmm. yes. And a century and more of modern agriculture has still not got rid of them. There's the snow starting. I better get back to the car. I'm heading south now, uh, down the coast to Helmsdale, because this Gansey, you know, it has a story to tell in almost every port along this Murray Firth coastline. So I better hasten up because I don't want to be caught in a snowstorm on the top of Helmsdale. Sandpiper, I think. Sandpiper? Sandpiper. I think so. It isn't unusual to bring you outside, is it? You come outside all the time. You're hardy. You're hardy. We also have a garden group, of course, that does this. I've come to a place called Timespan in Helmsdale, and it's um, a museum and art centre. And I've come here to meet... Well, there's a knitting group gathers here, and I think Gansey's is very often the topic of conversation. And we've come out of the building, which is set right on the river's edge. It's the Helmsdale. And look at this fabulous, broad-arched bridge. There's two giant arches over the river here. Telford Bridge. Is it Thomas Telford? Telford Bridge, yes. Which must be nearly 200 200 years years old. old. So I'm with Anne Sinclair, Annie Cowie and Jerry Wood. And you know what I've found interesting when I've been meeting people to do with the Gansies is how it is that they actually learn to do the knitting. How did you learn and how did you pick it all up? Well, I Um, learnt as a young child at my mother's knee to knit and I can't remember a time when I didn't knit. What about yourself, Gerry? What's your first experience of knitting? Um, I think I learnt it at school, possibly till I was about 10 or 11 and then didn't do it again until I joined the group here at Timespan, by which time I was over 60. Wow, that's hmm. a long time to leave between stitches, isn't it? <laughs> it is, but it's a bit like riding a bike, you know, you, you remember the basics. And, well, if you can do plain and pearl, um, there are some very good knitters in our group, so we had them to refer to. And uh, if we asked them, they could just explain the stitches. And so that's how you learnt. Yes, you, you had somebody more complicated to talk things, you through yes. it. Yes. Yes. And what about yourself, Annie? Uh, my grandmother learnt me because she was a fisherman's wife and she knitted gansies. But I have never knitted a gansie. Is that never, a terrible admission? Never, to ever knitted a gansie. <laughs> but 
I will one day. <laughs> <laughs> What's but stopping you? I don't know. I just never took the notion to knit one. But my son's asking for one, so I think I'll knit one for him. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it, do you think there's something special about learning how to knit a gamsey? nowadays when you know the oh, tradition yes. of them being worn in the fishing house yes. as good as gone it's um, it's a tradition isn't it keeping it going mm. it would die out if we didn't learn the stitches now and they're so attractive and they're actually, so the nice so they're beautiful mm. patterns we have great fun we do really and, fun. and yes and uh, the, the chat's good too yes, yes. and, and the we, cup of tea yes uh-huh. yes yeah. the talk and the yeah. knit Yes. It's been a great social thing, actually, I yes. think, for a lot of us, and particularly in the winter, you know, this, when there's not much on, oh. and coming down, it, we, we keep going, winter and summer. Or do you think it always mm. was? A, could have been a social thing? Well, you always yeah. seen the old women standing outside, blathering, and they were yes. all knitting at the same time. Yeah. When I came to Elmistle first, and when I left Goldsby, they were always knitting, the old fishermen's mm. wives. All were knitting gansies. Mm-hmm. So when you go to knit one for your son, are you going to do a Golsby pattern? No, or are you going to, I'm no? going to do a Helmstall one. <laughs> <laughs> he was born in Helmstall. <laughs> it's about now making sure that the love of the Gansey That's doesn't it. disappear That's and the right. skill involved in making them doesn't yes. disappear. Isn't that right? That's right, yes. yes. We had a session when the boys and girls came from school and they were very interested. Good, in fact, one of the wee boys I had, he really mm. took to it. Mm-hmm. And it was fun for them. Yes. So I hope they've kept it up. Yeah. And it's the yes. history of the place as well. Place, isn't it? Mm. Mm-hmm. But then again, I think that sort of thing comes with age sometimes. And when you're younger, you perhaps don't think about these things quite so much. Our knitting circle is growing, isn't it? <laughs> it We've is got indeed. Lisa McDonnell has joined us and Jean Sargent. Hello. Very, very keen knitters. Is that, you, why do you say ha Lisa? Well, basically because I only generally knit when I'm actually at the knitting group. <laughs> I'm not one of those people that sit at home knitting frantically. <laughs> then it must take you forever to finish a jumper. Exactly. It took, it took me two years to finish this one. And that's a, oh, it's a child's weekend. Yes. Oh, that's yes. lovely. Yes. Do you know what's interesting is like the pattern goes a across the top of the chest rather than in columns so there's obviously another change in the Gansey designs well that was basically because it would have taken me maybe three times as long if I'd gone right down the chest and also if there's if it gets damaged further down it's more easy to to knit re-knit it if it's not a pattern I suppose would be the other thing so I'm just thinking if you're there or knitting or you know on a nice day being out here on the riverbank knitting I just wonder if there's a little bit of competition about you know Having the no. nicest, the best. No, I never no? felt that. No, never felt that. No. I, don't, I don't think we so. We admire really. one another's yeah. work. Very much but so. We never say, would you need a better one than me? <laughs> no. we we who's compete. very good? Who's we particularly talented? And who uh-huh. needs a no. little bit of help? <laughs> Myself included. Yeah. <laughs> we all need help at some time with it, don't we? You know, it's such a simple sentiment. We all need help, isn't yes. it? And learning to knit together and, yes. and teaching each other to knit mm-hmm. you know it's it's about a community really yes. being bonded mm-hmm. together mm-hmm. even now yes before the knitting group started if you were stuck you always knew as somebody you could go to to find out you know yes, where I, you've gone wrong i just discovered not so long ago that my next door neighbor is a great knitter she doesn't come to the knitting group but now i know that um if i get into a fanco when i'm at home and i can't get to the knitting i could always go through next door yes <laughs> well as a beginner knitter lisa you just have to sit and knit and that's all you can do at one time is it 
pretty yeah. much. Yes. I, I can I can listen, but talking's a bit difficult. Whereas <laughs> I would say some of the ladies in the circle, would I be right, Annie? Could do more than knit. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Yes. Could you? Yes. Knit and uh, count. Uh, count and knit and speak and listen to the television uh. and, and throw orders around. <laughs> Quite a lot of things at once. Yes. yes. I knit in bed. <laughs> if I cannot sleep, I take my knitting to bed. It's nice and peaceful and quiet when you're setting a pattern. <laughs> That's a lovely little look into your life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Sunday night, I'm setting that pattern in bed. Come on then, let's get back. I've never saw a pair of earmuffs. Onwards. Onward, Christian soldier. That was great.